0: Let's pray for God's help as we come to his word. Lord, we thank you for those readings. We thank you for the inspiration of your holy word. We pray that by your spirit you will be our teacher and guide as we continue to reflect on this subject of prayer. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as uh, Tom mentioned, we come this morning to the subject of perseverance in prayer. Now, those of you here a few weeks ago will have heard Paul Fenner uh, speak on petition, and he particularly used the story of the persistent widow, and Jesus' lesson there, always pray and don't give up. And there is Jesus' own teaching on perseverance in prayer, in one aspect of prayer, and that is petition. And Paul did that so very, very well that I don't intend to tackle that at all, because in many ways that was covered very richly. Petition is part of prayer, so persevering in petition is part of prayer, but it's not the whole of it. Petition does not define prayer. And so I want to look a little bit more widely this morning, uh, at what persevering in prayer is about. Not just in petition, but in a number of different aspects of praying. And that's why um, I've chosen as my text, if you like, the uh, two words from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, pray continually. Pray continually. The authorised version says, pray without ceasing. Now, first thing I have to tell you is that I'm not an expert on this. It is extremely difficult. There is someone who I think was a great model of praying perseveringly and persistently, and that's Marion Mayne. She was a great prayer. And she set an example to us all of praying without ceasing. Constantly she'd be praying. And there are others of you who pray many, many times through a day, and pray without ceasing. I can't speak to you with greater authority on this, but there are a few thoughts I'd like to bring to you. Jesus did encourage us, as Paul mentioned, to pray with petition, to ask for things uh, continually. And he said, ask and it shall be given you. He told other parables, such as the parable of the person who asked his father for various things and uh, the, the father didn't give the appropriate things, you know, a stone instead of a loaf of bread and so on, you know the story. And Jesus told this parable because he wanted to make the point, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? So petition does form part of it. But this excellent series that has been planned, does acknowledge that there are many different facets to prayer. So, we've already had sermons on adoration, petition, intercession, today on perseverance, then we look forward to listening and warfare. And we could well add thanksgiving, praise, confession, waiting, silence, and so on. So I want to explore perseverance in these, some of these wider aspects of prayer, praying continually. And I want to do it under two main headings. One is, what is it to pray continually? And the second is, what will help us? Because it's so difficult. So, what is it? Well, I think that the easiest way I can up, sum it up is just say, it is living a life of prayer. Which is what Marion did in many ways. It is not to keep on talking to God, battering God with lots of words and lots of requests, talking to God all day and all night. It's much more about a relationship. That's the first point I want to make. What is it? It's a relationship, it's the enjoyment of God's presence, sometimes talking, sometimes not sometimes listening, sometimes just conscious of being with God. We're told about Enoch. Enoch, character in the Old Testament in Genesis, he walked with God and he was not. And the writer of the Hebrews commends him and says he pleased God. He just walked with God. That would have been a prayerful relationship. We're told about um, Abraham, that he was called the friend of God. And what do friends do? They chat. Yes, they do talk, but sometimes they will just be quiet with one another and enjoying each other's company. Moses, we're told about, he would speak, The God would speak to Moses as one speaks to a friend. So Moses is one to whom God spoke. It's about relationship. And friends sometimes talk and sometimes they're quiet. Those of you who've got good friends or good husbands or wives will know how wonderful it is to sit or be or drive or whatever you're doing in companionable silence. There is a relationship there. And Jesus gives us an example. He spent time with God in quietness and stillness, particularly at nighttime on the mountainside. So it's a relationship. It is also a conversation. And conversation is two-way. It's not just battering God with words. Conversation is two-way, and prayer is a conversation. Friends converse. Abraham, the friend of God. It's about all, maybe about all sorts of things, not just asking for things. It's not just petition. Sometimes we will ask friends for things and to pray about this or might ask them to help us do something or whatever it is but sometimes it will just be talking about what's going on. It'll be sharing experience. It'll be listening to our friends. It'll be honestly sharing what's on our heart. And we can honestly share with God. And when we think he's perhaps not answering what we're saying, we can just share that with him. We can share what's going on in our lives. And that often leads us to Thanksgiving to a sense of peace, to the enjoyment of God's presence and His friendship. So it's about relationship. It's about conversation. And it is about the phrase that goes back an unexplained moment. This phrase is not mine. Practicing the presence of God. And that's not easy. But it's what. Many of the Old Testament heroes did. They walked with God. They practiced the presence of God. It's what Jesus did. He practiced God's presence with him in his life and ministry. It's what the early church did. It's what many Christians have done down the ages and still do. Through the day, being aware of God, sharing with him, and in that sense, praying without ceasing, persevering in our relationship. The example and where this phrase comes from that I want to give you is the example of um, a person called Brother Lawrence, of of whom some of you will have heard. He was a Carmelite. um, He lived in a Carmelite monastery. He wasn't ordained. He was a lay brother in the 17th century in Paris, and he worked in the kitchen. How many of you have heard of him? Quite a few, good, well done. Let me just remind those of you or, and others who've not. Despite his lowly position in life and the Priory, his character attracted many to him. He had a reputation for experiencing profound peace and visitors came to seek spiritual guidance from him. So what did he do in the kitchen? He often used to say, isn't it quicker and easier just to do our common business Holy for the love of God. He practiced the love of God in what he was doing. This is what he wrote in the book that is called The Practice of the Presence of God. That's where the phrase comes from. He says, nor is it needful that we should have great things to do. We can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying on the pan for love of him. And that done, if there's nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself in worship before him, who has given me grace to work. Afterwards I rise happier than a king. It is enough for me to pick up but a straw from the ground for the love of God. Brother Lawrence felt that he cooked meals, ran errands, scrubbed pots, and endured the scorn of the world alongside God. One of his most famous sayings refers to his kitchen. The time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer, and in noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. To get the point that whatever we're doing we can do for the love of God and conscious of God's presence. And that brother Lawrence had this sort of conversation about the most mundane things he was involved in, a conversation with God about what he was doing each day. So that's the nearest example I've ever come across of someone who is praying continually, day by day, sustained, blessed, nourished by God Himself, as Jesus was as He walked with God this life of prayer. And you see, that's a very difficult thing to do all day. I've tried it sometimes, and you know, you you sort of hours and hours go by and (laughs) you realise you haven't actually said anything to God or heard from him. But it's worth trying, and I'll come on to that in a moment when I talk about things that might help us. Just to say Jesus himself, in the Lord's Prayer, taught us to pray daily, continually. He said, give us today our daily bread. We can interpret that for the physical things we need, the bread we need day by day. We can interpret that for the spiritual blessings and grace that we need day by day to nourish us. Uh, As you know, the Scripture Union is called bread of life, daily bread, and that's that idea that every day we need that nourishment. So Jesus is teaching us in the Lord's Prayer to pray continually, day by day, for our material needs and for our spiritual needs. So, in that way, we can practice the presence of God. So, as I say, we need something to help us because it's not an easy thing to do. And what will help us? Well, as I mentioned, I'm not one with great experience of this. Many of you are further along the road than I am. But there are some things that I would like to suggest that can help us to persevere in our praying so that we pray continually. And the first thing is to cultivate good habits of prayer. Having set times for listening, for being, as well as for speaking to God. Know what is a good time for you and what works for you. Because different people, different personalities, different things work for different people. No one size fits all. And at different stages of life, different patterns may work better. So it's worth keeping it under review. But it is to be daily. The Lord's Prayer is, give us today our daily bread. And many of the uh, characters in the Bible, Daniel, the psalmist and others, they prayed several times a day, morning, noon and night. So they set a pattern. If married... Pray daily with your husband or your wife. If you have a family, have some family prayer times. If you're on your own, find a prayer partner or a triplet or join a life group so that you can join with others in prayer as well as praying on your own. And some of these ideas that I'm going to put to you, you might like to discuss in your life groups as you meet during this week. You know What is it that works for you to help you to pray continually? As well as confessing how far short we've come on that. So another thing that you might like to do is to read and reflect on how people have sought in the past to pray continually. It's quite interesting to realize that there are some people who went into the desert because they be, thought they'd be free from all the distractions of life and they'd live on their own or in small groups. Some even lived on the top of pillars We've seen in Syria a pillar near Aleppo where Simeon the Stylite lived for 37 years on the top of it. Can you imagine that? And um, there we are. He felt that he would be a bit nearer to God if he had that kind of height and solitude. So there's a place sometimes for solitude. Some lived in monasteries to be not in solitude but in community. And some would live sort of half in community and half out of it, like Julian of Norwich, the anchoress, who wrote about her experiences in prayer, in her meditation, saying one of the famous sayings that you will have heard before is, all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Some developed a rule of life, like Benedict. Saint Benedict, he said, ora et labora, pray and work. And for this was for monks being in community. His rule of life goes to 73 chapters. And the essence of it was that each day should comprise private and communal prayer, sleep, spiritual reading, and manual labor. So to pray and to work. Now we too can try different ways of praying. To ring the changes, not to get stuck in a rut. Or to... uh, Feel that we're failing and to feel guilty about it when something is not working for us. Rather try something else. And we can be very creative in these areas. And some people have found they run courses on different ways of praying using music, worship songs, using color and art and painting, even icons, walking, fasting, quiet days, retreats, and so on. And use scripture especially the psalms, as a conversation starter with God. Maybe as you read a psalm, to let one verse just strike you, if it strikes you, that is God saying something to you for the day. And you can take that with you through the day. Even perhaps write it down and put it in your pocket or somewhere in your handbag or and, and just refer to it from time to time. Now this happened to me just this morning because some, some of you may know that we're going through a time when we're needing to relocate our son Jeremy. He's not been well over the years and we want to move him from uh, where he is in Tooting to be near one of his brothers in the Twickenham area. And we've been working on this for some months and it's actually quite tiring, there's a lot of stuff, and we're suddenly realizing how much there is still to do to achieve this, and it can be sort of quite a worry, are we going to cope with it all? Well, the lectionary reading for morning prayer this morning was Psalm 29. The last verse of Psalm 29 says, the Lord gives strength to his people, he will bless his people with peace. And that really spoke to me and I could have a conversation with God and I should continue to reflect on that today and through the coming days. What we need, what I need at the moment is strength for all this and peace of mind so I don't worry about forgetting anything or all the different things that are going to be done. It's just the right word from God, to hear from God. So I'm not badgering with God with stuff, but I'm saying listening and finding nourishment and strength from God. So this is what it is to walk in prayer. And the Psalms are absolutely marvellous for that. And sometimes when we're going through difficult times the Psalms are particularly appropriate if we feel that prayer is not being answered or we're going through a tough time. The Psalmist often expresses that. Many, many of the Psalms are laments. They are recognising honestly that that is how it is sometimes. And I often think of that phrase, since I read it in God on Mute by Pete Grigg. It's a great phrase. I mentioned it before some time ago when I was preaching. God's silence is not his absence. Brilliant, isn't it? God's silence is not his absence. And we can still trust even when we don't understand. That's the great lesson of the book of Job. Even when we don't understand, we can still trust. And as we wait on the Lord, we will renew our strength. And often our experience of prayer leads to thanksgiving. So it's quite interesting how in that verse from Thessalonians it says, keep on giving thanks to God, pray continually and always give thanks to God. And in many of Paul's letters, I haven't got time to go into them, but there are lots of times, particularly towards the beginning of, the less of his letters, where he says, I thank God continually for you. So as we think about and as we're engaged in prayer with God and think about people, we can often uh, that often leads to thanksgiving. So it's about cultivating good habits of prayer. It's about uh, learning from others, the experience of others, as we read Christian biographies or learn about people, hear about other people. It's about trying different ways, creative ways of praying. And a very important point, it is about praying in the name of Jesus. That really does help us to persevere and to pray because it's a recognition that it's only through Jesus that we can come to God. It's by him we have access into the very presence of God. It is, he is our great high priest, which is why we had that passage from Hebrews, those verses. And he continually makes intercession for us. So as we pray in the name of Jesus, we know we're not on our own. He is praying with us, alongside us, and presenting our requests and our prayers before the throne of grace of God himself. And he does so with all the experience of our humanity and our suffering and the disappointments and the difficulties, the rejection, the, su- the pain, the physical and mental that he endured. He has all that, he's not touched, he's not untouched by the feeling of our infirmities. And it's with that understanding and experience that he prays before the Father for us and brings then God's grace to us and his mercy to help us in our time of need. So as we pray in the name of Jesus, that's a great encouragement to us, to pray continually, pray without ceasing. And it's also a wonderful safeguard against praying selfishly. Jesus said, you know, if if my words abide in you and you ask what you want, I'll give it, God will give it to you. If you pray in my name, God will give it to you. And as we align ourselves with God's will, with the will of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, it prevents us from praying just selfish type prayers. Which leads me on to my final point, which is perhaps the most important one of all that I want to get across. And that is that praying continually is about seeking God's will and not our own. It is seeking God's will and not our own. Many times, Pam and I have proved this, what seems to be God's delay as we wait for something then turns into God's no, that's not the way, even though we prayed about it, has led in the end, as we sought to say, well, your will be done, to a better answer from God. Has led to something better. So when our prayers seem to be unanswered and we just put ourselves in God's hands in the name of Jesus, then it is that we often prove God had a better way for us. And we prove that many, many times. So the Lord's Prayer encourages us in this Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's global, but it's also personal. Your will be done in my life. We want to align our will with God's will. It is not for us to tell God what to do, but to be so close to God in that relationship we've talked about, in that prayerful relationship, as we practice the presence of God, that our prayer is not to obtain what we think we want, but to find what God wants and to live in that grace and love which leads to peace and joy. That's what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Three times he prayed, My Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. He aligned his life with God's purpose of love. And that's what Jesus did. He did it for the joy that was set before him. Enduring the cross, despising the shame, and then sat down on the right hand of God, God's will perfected in him and through him. What helped him was knowing that God's purpose was one of love and blessing for the world. And whatever we may be experiencing God has a loving purpose for us and for those whom we love. So let's persevere in praying continually, practicing the presence of God. I'm just going to read those verses again from Hebrews. Let's pray continually. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted or tested in every way just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need.